This is Preach Freedom by Alex Mole. Let's get talking. Hello, everyone. This is Alex Omole with Preach Freedom Podcast. And with me on the show today is Ernie Enobon. Ernie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Pastor Alex. Ernie is a part-time adjunct professor and also specialized and expert in oil and gas law. Ernie resides in Scotland and currently has a versatile experience in a multiplicity of fields. Ernie currently not only teaches law and works um, in the legal aid um, board of, Sc- of Scotland, but also um, attends a local church. Ernie grew up in the Pentecostal Assembly of God Church back in Sub-Saharan Africa and also has a versatile Christian experience having attended church in different continents. So, Annie, welcome to the show. Good to have myself uh, talk about the issues you want to present today, so I'm happy to be with you on the show. Thank All you. right. Is there any, anything you want to add to your background? If I, if I was able to actually give a quick summary, is there anything else you want your audience to know about your background? I'm a Christian. I'm a, a lawyer. I work, I still have a job after COVID, so I'm grateful. So thank you for having me. All right. You know, COVID has really, you know, brought a lot of um, evolving of different fields. It has shaken a lot of fields and a lot of people have been out of work and all that. And not just that, you know, in terms of the employment sector, but COVID has also brought a lot of racial tension, not just in America, well, around the world. Now, in order to kind of talk about social justice, which is the subject of my dissertation, I just want to uh, bring a context to our conversation today. How long would you say have you attended a Pentecostal church um, since you grew up in Nigeria? Well, um, of course, in Nigeria, uh, we, we, we were raised within the um, Totally, but then authority of our parents, such that our parents have the finances. So we, going to church is not something that we did. It's something that happened to us, you know? So, so um, your parents I mean, compelled you to go to church? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's the way it works. That's life in Nigeria, okay? So I, mean, I think when children grow up, and then they, they then chart their own course. But I think that's a good foundation, um, whether we, we, we would like it or not. Mm-hmm. So I've been a Christian, I, I would say, from birth. <laughs> yeah, in that regard. So you have been a, 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 a church goer since I you were I'm born. Goer, yes, from birth. So that's a, that's a better way of putting it. Um, from childhood, uh, but I, I I would later experience God for myself as a teenager. You know, so mm-hmm. um, so I'll say as, as a teenager, I've been fully involved in church, in the Pentecostal church, growing up. Yeah, it's yes. quite, you bring a uniqueness to the demographic of the people I've interviewed in this podcast, because so far, you're the only one that actually lives outside the United States. And the reason why I decided to call on you just for an interview on this podcast is that you bring a 360 degree perspective, being that you have been to the US, you have lived in Europe, you have lived in Nigeria, so you know certain things people in the U.S. might that have not traveled wide and far would not be exposed to. And now, knowing your background, 
I would ask the question, are you a volunteer in your church and what is your current role? Indeed, I am a volunteer. I'm a, I'm a pianist or a keyboardist, whichever way you want to put it. So I'm, I play the keyboard. I'm in the, uh, in, 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 in the UK here, we are more band related. So I think you have choirs and all that uh, in the US. I don't know. But in the UK here, we have a band, a church band and a worship team. So I'm in the worship team. Okay. So I you play the keyboard. So you're always on the worship set. Okay, wonderful. What What's your feeling about social justice? Or what would you say social justice is to your holistic ministry? Um, the, the intricacies of, of social justice is quite um, significant to the um, body of Christ. It is deep and wide. However, it's complex. Deep and wide in the sense that social justice, the two words to take them um, uh, in their in their holistic context, social, and then justice. Social in terms of things like a race, or, or you know the widows, or the poor. You know people who in the society make up the the, the, the fragments of society in different stratifications and in their social context or social. Um, uh, should I say their social footings, whether poor, rich, um, disabled, um, abled, and you know things like that, mm -hmm. men and, and things like that, you know, gender, race, uh, whatever uh, stratifications want to put them, and then justice. Uh, what is justice? The significance of justice as it applies to our social engagement as individuals and as a society. So social justice has had its place. In the kingdom, um, Jesus Christ espoused the, the the values or the virtues of social justice, uh, talking about I have come to deliver the oppressed. You know, um, but the Bible is 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 a complex book in the sense that it it doesn't define social justice in itself. It it actually it just expresses the boundaries of social justice and that has to do with the taking care of those who cannot take care of themselves there are several um, um people that fall within that context of social justice in the bible significantly they were the widows and they were the poor and they were the that's i think those are the two main ones the main widows, ones I, yeah the poor. And then, of course, when Jesus says he came to deliver the oppressed, it's not clear what that oppressed is. Are they people who are oppressed by others or oppressed by sin? And if sin in itself is a, is a justice issue, then that's the justice against sin, and that's the justice of the life of Christ on the cross. And that God, being a just God, is going to judge sin. And so it came to deliver us from sin. So, um, but in our society today, social justice has been stretched further to cover, you know, things that things like race and um, gender. Those were not really in the context of biblical, um, uh, um, biblical uh, historicity. You know, actually, a lot. You mentioned a lot of things that I, I probably think we should highlight on. And um, even though some theologians argue 
that when Paul talked about slaves and masters, that's some social justice issues right there. But some people actually distinguish between biblical justice and social justice. And they, yeah. they say that believers should not pursue social justice, but believers should pursue biblical justice. And in as much as we know that the issues of the widows, the issues of the poor, basically falls within the poor view of social justice. And you have rightly pointed out to the mandate of Christ. You know, um, Ernie, that's one of the things my dissertation actually focuses on. The, my dissertation focuses on the mandate of Christ as declared by Isaiah chapter 61 and reiterated in the book of Luke. When Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to set the oppressed free, to heal the brokenhearted and so on and so forth. And you have actually pointed that very key scripture out. I believe that the entirety of our mandate as the church flows from the mandate of Christ as declared by Christ in the temple that day. And it is no um, mistake that as believers and as the church, we ought to carry and further the mandate of Christ. So it was good you actually pointed that out. What is interesting with your background, because you hold a PhD in law, is the fact that you are, you are an expert in the field of law. And you are also very involved, very committed in a local church. So you actually bring a very different perspective, a legal perspective, and a biblical perspective. Now, I want to ask a very key question, and I know that, you know, it also goes into your own experience, having been supported by the church in, in, in ministry, you know, and being um, by a local church. The church has been very kind to you. You shared that with me in a, a couple of times, how the church went out of its way to just support your attending the church to serve. How do you think the church should do in the area of social justice? Do you think the church is caring enough for the community? Um, the church is, and the church may not be. So it just depends on... On uh, which church? <laughs> yes, it just depends on the nature. If you're talking about, for example, the Catholic Church in the UK, historically, was the institution that set up the charity charity system okay and now as we speak you have the catholic churches uh, that are still very very vibrant and in those churches they have some set, some set of rules or ethos that guides them as they go about everything so you have all the uh, like salvation army you know all of that the, the charity in the uk is a big deal but it all started from the church historically so that's social justice right and then that charity it's about fending for the uh, for the poor okay and people who were less privileged um in the society so the church had played a role historically today I think the church has different focus. There are sort of like in the Pentecostal church, and there's a heavy focus on things like the manifestations of the spirits and things like that. And there might be little, um, I'm not saying there is none, because I think churches do have programs for, for these things as well. But the society sees the, the, the Pentecostal church as less uh, involved, uh, or in, uh, they have less impact. And the issues of social justice, and they are more inclined to on the spiritual side of things. And then you have the non-denominational, really. And, and then you have, for example, the um, the um, 
Yeah, mainline denominations like the Presbyterian. Presbyterian and all of that. So they have they, 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 are, they are a bit more closer to, to social justice issues, but less spiritual. So they, then the, the, the very spiritually aligned churches do not see those as extremely, uh, intrinsically spiritual because it's quite soft. Yeah, by spiritual, you are referring to more um, Holy Ghost-driven driven services, very expressive worship services, emphasis on healing and the manifestation of the Spirit, right? Things like that, but that's subjective as well because the lack of healing or manifestations of the spirit is not the absence of spirituality. Excellent. You know, that's what I, yeah. I was saying. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. That is just a perspective of spirituality within the confines of the Pentecostal Church, because other churches like the Reformed theology, the Reformed churches, they are not really into those those things like healing, speaking in tongues, and all that. But they are they are. Um, fast with spiritual undertakings as to doctrine you know so they are very deep in doctrine and that doctrine guides the principles to which they they, they have their followership of jesus christ now ernie would you say would you say that can i can i ask this question i i don't want to forget this point would you say that the pentecostal church's involvement in emphasis of the Holy Spirit prevents them from engaging in social justice? Well, you cannot, no, nothing can prevent um, an organization from engaging in social justice if it, if it has um, a, a program for social justice, okay? So it's a matter of where their priority lies, okay? So they could, they could, have, they could have a program for social justice and still be very involved in the spiritual aspects of their life, so it's a it's a matter of how they manage their resources. But um, from my own perspective, if you're asking for my own opinion, um, I would say the church has a role in social justice, but social justice is not the mandate of the body of Christ. It is it is something that the body should do, but it is not for uh, when I say the, the mandate, I'm talking of from from the perspective of the gospel jesus christ the mandate of the church uh, is all embracing but one of the main or the core mandate is to preach the good news and the good news is the, the it's the it's the um the death and resurrection of the christ that god had come to reconcile man with himself and that is the good news that's what's our mandate is every other thing is that there are the things that we ought to do as Christians. Now, let me just let me clarify this. Um, you don't need to be a Christian to espouse the values of social justice because social justice is about doing good and doing right to others. You don't need a, you don't need to be a Christian to do that. What makes us different is that we are doing social, we may be doing social justice, but we bring something bigger and better, and that is. That is Christ, salvation. You know, so social justice is not in itself the gospel. It is an it is an element of the Christian virtue that we we espouse as Christians. So I don't think churches should replicate the gospel with social justice. You know, a lot of people argue against that that point of view that there's actually what is called a social gospel. And that is the argument that that is 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 brought from various references to scripture, like 
Um, when Jesus said, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. And the disciples asked, when did we do this, Lord? He said, if you do this to the least of you, you have done it to me. And, you know, any in, so, in support of those that are against that argument you just made, I would say that why was it that Jesus' emphasis was among the downtrodden? You know, he... He went among the poor. He was around the poor. He was around those that were in need. He visited mm-hmm. them. And at the same time, he preached the gospel. Yeah. You know, at the same time. So your argument go, goes against some other arguments, but that's when that's why intellectual dialogue is very crucial because people come from different perspectives. And I'm going to... I, I, I don't understand that my perspective is not necessarily um, exhaustive. And it is a perspective. It is not the it's, it's not the entirety of the subject matter. And bringing that perspective, it, it, it's not in itself a, a disavowalment of people who want to espouse the the doctrines of social justice as though it were the core. So they may have their reasons for doing that. I do not personally, from biblical um, perspective, because what you said. From the from the scripture that you quoted, they are in itself true. But if you look at say Jesus Christ, in my meat is to do the will of my Father, and when he goes about, he sends his disciples, it sent them to 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 preach, to to heal the sick, and all that. But the reason he sent them out is to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And after he died and resurrected, the disciples got the Holy Spirit. And what they were doing was not social justice. They were preaching the they were preaching um they were preaching the, the death and resurrection of Christ and that he was coming back. That's what they were preaching. Then there was a significant thing that happened. Uh, I think is it Peter or Paul, I can't remember, but there was there was some confusion and there was the, the, the widows and the poor they were not being served. They were, they, they were left. Yes, that's, the, that's the, 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 the book of Acts, the widows that were yes, being neglected that, by the church. Yeah, that, was, that, that was Paul then, yes. So, and then uh, he said, it is not good that these, these, these widows are neglected. So he, number one, identified that they were neglected and he did something about it. But what he did was that he appointed people to go about doing this is why we do the work of the kingdom. You know, so so the question is, doing those things, are they not part of the kingdom? So they are, but he saw all that. Is, he didn't see it as something that is core, but it's something that was also necessary. So Paul wasn't too focused on social uh, justice. Peter, rather. Peter. Was it Peter? Yeah, Peter. He wasn't particularly focused on, on social justice. That didn't mean that he was anti-social justice because he actually addressed it. Okay? So, and the disciples... Uh, Across and then, if you look at when Paul's final letter of Paul to Timothy, when he was commissioning him for the gospel, First Timothy, Second Timothy, of it all, the totality of that letter was about the gospel that he should preach the word, preach the word, preach the word, and that is the meat of the gospel. Now, um, that. That in itself is not, like I said, a disavowalment of social justice. Jesus Christ espoused that. Um, but Jesus Christ came to die for, for sinners and to reconcile them to God. 
Okay, mm-hmm. that in itself it's not social justice. Social justice are things about how we engage with one another here on earth and how we should not oppress others and how even those who are in position of power should not use their position to like Jesus condemned the Pharisees. For one thing, one of the things he said about them was that you put laws that are hard for people, but you do not do them yourselves. You know. So that that's a social justice issue, you see. These were lawyers, these were oppressors at the time, and Jesus condemned that. So So fundamentally, your argument is why social justice is important and is part of the fabric of scriptures and part of the fabric of the values as believers that we should hold, yet it is not the mandate of Christ. Am I getting that correctly? I'm getting that correctly, right? It is not, yes, it is not the core mandate. It is not in itself the, the essence of why Christ came. That is not the essence. The Christ did not get beat just just for the, the widows to get to, to be to be taken care of. Christ got beat. Christ died. He was he was crucified, and he went through all that to reconcile man back to God. And that is sin. He came to address sin in itself. So, uh, um, the issue is, to what extent are we exchanging the gospel of the cross with social justice? That's a, that's a significant question. But then again, for all those who say no to social justice, it is just the cross, the cross, the cross. Then I ask them, um, is your message going to land to somebody who is oppressed if you're just telling them about the cross, the cross, and yet they do not see in you the, the, the character of of kindness, gentleness, or even supporting the widows, the poor, the oppressed, and things like that. You know, whether it's racial, like I said, we brought in other elements now because at the time of Christ, those elements were not really there, like sexism. Uh, well, there were people argue that there was an issue, but it was culture at the time, so it wasn't really an issue. But there was no feminism at the time, you know. And, uh, and now other elements, things like uh, the LGBT community, and then, of course, you have the race community and things like that. So those were not issues of social justice at the time. These are the things that have evolved and become a part of social justice as of now. At the time, it was mainly the poor and the widows, and, of course, probably the sick and things like that. I think what well, your argument makes a lot of sense, particularly. That's one of the reasons... If you put it in context to South Florida, you have been to South Florida, you know how it is. And obviously, you know how it is in the other parts of the world where you live um, in Scotland and obviously in Sub-Saharan Africa. You know, one of the reasons um, Pentecostal churches in South Florida are very cautious about social justice is in respect to some of the things you just said. Part of it, they are conscious and very sensitive to some of the new issues that have arisen under social justice, like um, sexuality, sexual orientation, sexual identity, abortion, and stuff like that. And they feel that those things go contrary to their traditional Christian values. You know, it's quite interesting that one of the things you made mention of actually reflects the views of C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis, in his book, he talked about that you know he used this um, metaphor allegorical metaphor where the devil in screwtape letters was speaking to a junior demon and he was telling the demon how to deceive believers 
And part of what he said, he now said, you know, the senior demon was speaking to the junior demon, but this was C.S. Lewis writing. He said, make men treat Christianity as a means, a means to their own advancement, a means to anything, even to social justice. So let man do things or value social justice more and use social justice as a convenience in the gospel. So C.S. Lewis obviously was adverse to the idea of social justice because he believed that the core um, focus of the Christian faith should not be social justice. That's what I read from that text, and that's what it seems to be like. And you have pointed out that the gospels, the gospel, the proclamation of the word remains the core purpose of the gospel, if that's what I'm getting, right? That's correct. And, and that's correct. And I, 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 I would rather put things in perspective to say, um, I don't know, I can't speak for C.S. Lewis, but I would really doubt that he was strongly against social justice. I think what he was really speaking to was the... Uh, the replacement of uh, the gospel for social justice rather than social justice compl uh, complementing the gospel in itself. Yeah, he was saying um, social, yes. uh, the gospel should not, be, should not be used as a means to achieve yes. social justice. Uh, yes. Um, so, I'll take this um, Black Lives Matter um, as, as a case study. Yeah, the Black Lives Matter movement. Not, as a case study so uh, being a black uh, man and a christian i was i found myself as a crossroads that's because um, on the one hand i wanted to see that contrition in the hearts of the church or i would say uh, widely as we saw it um uh, I, I hate to use this nomenclature like black church white church i'd rather just say the church but anyway that's where that's where <laughs> That's life just now. So, yeah. Um, but but Martin Luther life. King said Sunday is the most racially divided day in the week. In the week, yeah, that's correct. You know, because you talk about the black church and then the white church and all that. So black church do their thing, white church do their thing. But of course, culture uh, is significant. And I think black the black uh, uh, community they express themselves differently, and so the way they express themselves will be will replicate or. Will would be intrinsic to how they express themselves to God, you know. So, uh, but anyways, that being said, the point I was trying to make is that uh, there was some uh, um, remorse across the the I would say white um, the white the community, church, the Caucasian community, the white community, the, the church. Uh, mainly the white uh, Caucasian community. So, and that uh, contrition in itself is a good thing, you know. But I thought there was a missed opportunity to address the issue of sin as the, and that Christ was the antidote to the sin of racism. So, so, so your I, view is, in issues like Black Lives Matter, the issue yes. is not social justice, but the issue is sin. Sin is it, it, it is the core of what is at stake with society, and that's what Christians should be speaking to. So we we needed to bring godly perspective in a way that cannot be brought by atheists. And atheist is going to espouse the, the, the virtues and the values of social justice strongly to the nectar. 
So if we're doing that and nothing more as Christians, then what separates us? So okay? your your submission, your position is social injustice is sin. Yeah. Social injustice in it is sin, of course. But then again, it's not just a, it's not it's not sin. It's not a white man's sin, and that is the problem. You know what I saw in this whole uh, um, um, crusade was that uh, whiteness was seen as the ultimate sin, and and then uh, of course social justice was then seen as the gospel, and being woke was seen as salvation. Yeah, some, and I thought that yeah, was, that was missed opportunity because it shouldn't be that way. What the church should have done is we regret that this is happening, and we've seen we've seen our sin in this as well because we have not. Um, we have not conducted ourselves in a way that shows that we are our brother's keeper. So we too, we have sinned against this community and all that. However, we do not want to see anybody as, as a racial um, entity. We are all children of God, but what is happening in our society is sin. And we are going to address that sin. And we're going to speak to that using the blood of Christ as our weapon against what is happening. And that only Christ can unite us. And it is not just enough to say we need to come together as, uh, as uh, without race. Because the fact is, race is a thing. But regardless of race, there's something that's there just one that unites us, and that's Christ. But Christ doesn't just unite us for the sake of uniting we have to be able to hit that note to say, okay, Christ doesn't just, he doesn't just want us to come together as one. He also wants us to be saved. And that once we're all saved and we are all in the body of Christ as one entity under God, under the blood of Christ, then the, the, the sin of racism by by implication will be addressed. Yeah. You know? Wow. And I thought that was a missed opportunity. That's so true. <laughs> But any, I would say this, you know, Shakespeare said a rose by whatever name it's called will still smell as nice. I think the, the nomenclature of, of injustice as seen or social justice is usually some of the tension that the church, the Pentecostal church, and even here in South Florida faces. We're out of time, any, but do you have any final words to share before we kind of round up here in the podcast? Yeah, so um, so these these issues are sensitive, and no one has um, the best answer or the only answer. We could only bring our different perspectives of things. I've brought my perspective not as a Pentecostal, not as as um, a black man, not as a, a lawyer, but as an individual who has a way of looking at things, but of course, as a Christian, regardless of the denomination. So I will not really, I, I, I don't really see myself right now as some anti-coaster. I just see myself as a Christian who wants to live right under God, uh, regardless of the nomenclatures. That being said, the issue of racial justice, social justice, or whatever nomenclature you want to call it, it's in the heart of God, it's in the mind of God, how we address it is then our different approaches. I just hope that we can all together uh, bring our perspectives to things to this issue and unite under that one umbrella of Christ, uh, because at the end of the day, um, Christ is our Savior, and He came to die for our sins. 
So uh, we should not forget even why we fight the issues of social justice in the society. So I hope that these things will unite rather than divide us. So far, I think it's uh, it's brought a lot of um, divisions in the church in the way that the church was not prepared for. And of course, the, the COVID lockdown as well. But this, this is fine, I mean, because sometimes these things happen to also strengthen the church. And we hope that 2021 will bring better days ahead. Wow. Annie, that was so good. Thank you so, so much for your viewpoint, for your uh, freedom to express yourself, how you did express yourself, and your biblical references to scripture. So, Annie, thank you so much for being on the show today. You're welcome, man. Thank you for having me. So that's all, folks. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe.